Thanks for joining Cornerstone for our message of the week. We hope you'll be inspired and encouraged. To connect with our church family and to watch our services live, download our app today by texting Sparks Will Fly as one word, app to 77977. That's Sparks Will Fly app to 77977 or by visiting us online at sparkswillfly.cc. All right, I got a table, man. Steve said, what you doing on that table? And it's a high top, you know. I'm having to school Stanton. You know, Stanton, he, he lives in the world of skinny jeans and all of that. He don't know what it's like being big. I'm going to do a message one night on the struggle of big people. But big people really don't like high top chairs. We like tables. We don't like booths. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever struggle? <laughs> so anyhow, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 4. I'm going to teach tonight. I'm going to do my best to quit this hollering and running around with raising blood pressure. But I'm subject to holler. You know that even from a seated position. Huh? Yeah, I got five minutes on it. I, I remember listening to Jensen Franklin one time, and Jensen said this guy asked him, could he come and teach? <laughs> he said, no. He said, I ain't no teacher. But he said, if you're looking for a preacher to come preach, he said, I can do that. But I want to share something with you tonight that I really believe the Lord would have me to do. This was... Uh, Probably, I don't know, maybe eight or nine weeks ago, I was uh, in prayer, felt like the Lord highlighted this subject to me, and I actually shared with someone, I said, this is what I'm going to be preaching on on Sunday, and I've never made it there. I actually come prepared to preach on this Sunday, but I changed uh, my message during worship and just went a different route, and so uh, tonight I want to go after this. So if you grab uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Get there. I've got two different translations of the Bible out in front of me. I, I, I love the Passion Translation. I'm going to use the New King James. Is anybody cold? we got about an hour here. We're going to try to get this. Are y'all cold? Anybody? I'm a little chilly now. So this one right here is spitting. If I get a little cold, it's cold because i got some insulation. So I'm gonna, while you grab that, I'm going to grab Psalms 133, and I'm going to read this uh, verse of Scripture out of Psalms 133 uh, out of the Passion Translation. Y'all good? How many's got your Bible? Because we're going to learn something tonight in this place. All right. Psalms 133 says, How truly wonderful and delightful to see our brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is, it is precious as the sacred scented oil flowing from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard and running down the way to the, running all the way down to the hem of his priestly robes. The heavenly harmony can be compared to the dew dripping from the skies upon Mount Hermon, refreshing the mountain slopes of Israel. Far from this realm of sweet harmony, God will release his eternal blessing, the promise of life forever. Where there's the blessing and where there's promise of life forever, dwell in unity of the brethren. How many knows that's God's heart and desire? Now, after being at this for some close now 20 years, uh, I, it's, you know, that's why Jesus only chose 12. <laughs> and he had enough problems with the 12. Come on, y'all. That's why he retreated a lot of times with just three folk. Hello. But it's God's will for us to dwell what? In unity. Now, the subject I want to deal tonight with, I just want to lay some foundation of this. I'm 23 years old. I can take you to the spot. Uh, the spot in the carpet, um, actually that building's redone now, 
but I had an encounter with the Lord on a Friday night in a prayer meeting. And it was over the subject in James chapter 3 of envy and jealousy. And I remember the Lord taking me on a journey and led me down many paths. Uh, I know this subject well because I've battled this subject in my own life. Let me just say this. Tonight, there's not a person in this room that does not deal with this subject. Y'all with me? And so what the reason you say, well, why are you going after a subject like this? Because anytime there's a movement shows up, let me tell you this. The number one killer to every move of God is not fornication. It's not caused the preacher run off with a harlot. The number one killer to every move of God is envy that rises up within the saints, shuts it down. And what happens is, and, and, and that is a result because we're not secure in our identity and who God says we are. And I heard it say like this, once you discover who God called you to be, you'll have no desire to be no one else. Because God doesn't need another John Bagley. There, there, he doesn't need another fat, bald-headed preacher screaming. What he, needs is another, what he needs is a Steve Batts to be him. What he needs is a David Steinbeck to be him, a Brian Basso be him, and Catherine be her. So I want to go with this. So if we could say tonight that envy is perhaps, Catherine help me, I've got tons of notes on this, and let me just say this. A lot of my notes tonight, I don't usually tell you where I dig at, but I'm going to tell you where I'm digging at because this, this is well worth your purchase of everybody in this room. There's a book by Bob. I don't know if his last name is pronounced Sorg or is it Sorgi. I don't know, but it's S-O-R-G-E, and it's called Envy, the Enemy Within. Everyone in this room needs to read that book. If we would get this subject right, we could all learn how to march in cadence because how many knows we made mention of Sunday of the, of the army that Joel saw. One of the things about Joel's army that he saw is, is there a key thing in Joel chapter 2? It says this army knows how that they, they march in battle array. That, that, that battle array is martial array. They know how to march in cadence. So everyone knows their place inside that body. Are you with me? And they're marching at the same pace. They're marching in a battle array uh, or martial array. So listen to this. Envy has the power to sabotage our personal destiny in God because God cannot honor our efforts when they are subliminally driven by impure motives. Now, let me just say this. It's danger for us to look at each other and try to figure out the motives of our heart. And most people, when they say they walk in discernment, they walk in judgment, what they're really walking in, I'm just telling you, because I've lived long enough, they're walking through places of the heart that has not been healed, and they're looking at Saul, they're looking at David through the lenses of Saul because Saul began to eye him from the day forward. When did Saul begin to eye David? It was not when he killed Goliath. You with me? It's not when David killed Goliath that he eyed him. He was actually celebrating young David's victory while, when he come back. But when he came back into town, Saul found out he was not the beloved preacher anymore. And he had a chance of fathering something. Listen to me. He had a chance to father a new generation of warriors. But my God, I feel the Lord. But because he was not secure in his identity, the Bible says that envy and jealousy rose up in Saul's heart when he heard the women sing the song that Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his 10,000. Now, David hasn't slain anyone but a giant called Goliath at this moment. But prophetically, they're singing over a young generation. They're singing over a young warrior that he's about to slay 10,000. He's going to accomplish what Saul has never been able to accomplish. And if we get this right, the generation that we are fathering called the 412 movement will do greater exploits than you and I ever did. 
Come on, y'all. That means, listen, I'm watching this through the lens of Stanton where he's at at 24 versus where I was at. And then he was able to look into the eyes of a young man last night that's 19 that's further down the road than where he was at at 19. This is when we do it correctly. We create momentum this way. But what has to be killed in our hearts is the insecurities that when we look in them, that we don't begin to sabotage what's in front of us, and we begin to get at a place and realize we're secure enough in God that we can celebrate their victories. Now, now let's look at this. So envy has the power to sabotage your personal destiny. Nobody, there ain't no devil in hell can stop what God has for you. You are your own worst enemy. Come on, y'all. You are your own worst enemy. All right? Listen, God cannot honor, he, he's not going to honor as long as envy remains in the crevices of heart. Our fruitfulness in Christ will be in, in, inescapable. It will be inescapable and it will be impeded. Now, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. <clears throat> and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. But as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Now look at this is the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth. I couldn't, I couldn't come to speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are not able. For you are still carnal, for, for you are still carnal, for where there are for where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And for when one says, I am for Paul, and another says, I am Apollos, are you not carnal? Now, here's the real reason why we hate to say that, my God, this is in my heart, because we thought we'd be grown up by now. Y'all going to help me out right here? I know I'm sitting down, but we thought we'd be grown up by now. But Paul says any time that there's not unity in the body and any time that envy and jealousy and strife and contention shows up in a body, it does not reveal our maturity, but it reveals our immaturity. And he said, I long to talk to you as spiritual people. Come on, y'all. Your identity is not as a human. Your identity is a spirit being. You just happen to be enclosed in a body. And he said, I come, to start, I come to talk some deep stuff to some deep spiritual people, but you are infants in Christ. You are babes. You're not ready to handle the deep spiritual stuff because you're acting like mere men because you are envious and jealous of each other. You with me? Now, while we struggle with envy, these are some good notes right here. Number one, I'm not fully established and at rest in my identity in Christ. Number two, I have insecurities that have not been fully healed through the power of his grace. Number three, I am ungrateful for what God has given me. His gifts are not enough for me. I also want what he has given another. My heart is motivated at a fundamentally level by an element of self-interest, self-preservation, self-promotion. I am not able to fully celebrate my brother's success because my underlying feelings of competition and ambition in my soul. My carnality is impeding the unity of the body of Christ, and that unity is essential to the bride's preparation. The reason why we cannot celebrate the success of our fellow sister churches in our community is this one issue that I'm talking about tonight. Because, because most of our pastors believe at the core belief that they're here to compete with every other pastor. Brothers compete, but fathers complete. We need a father and a mother of movement to rise up in the church. Come on, y'all. 
When envy becomes easy to confess, victory becomes victory comes with closer reach. That deals with any sin in our life. It is the lie of the enemy to make us believe we're the only ones struggling with what we struggle with. But once you cut the light on whatever you have struggling with in your heart, it loses its ground immediately. Vine's Exposionary Dictionary has defined envy as the feeling of displeasure produced by the witnessing or the hearing of the advantage or the prosperity of others. Webster's Dictionary defines envy as the painful advantage enjoyed by another, joined with a desire to possess the same advantage. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5. I hope you're all right with this. Galatians chapter 5. I preached this message, I guess it was some maybe getting close to 10 years ago now, and I remember uh, coming off that stage that night, and the pastor of that church came up to me, and I'll tell you where it was. It used to be on their website. I preached it at Southland, and right the time I come off the stage, Pastor Dale come to me, and he said, this will be a life message that you'll preach the rest of your life. He said that God's given you, this, this is just a life message that you'll preach. All right, so let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. Let's start in verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, Hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law." And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, provoking one another, or envying one another. So when we walk in envy and jealousy, this is what? A work of what? The flesh. This is coming from our uncrucified carnal nature. Are you with me? Just because you have an anointing to sing, listen, we've got to grow up beyond this. The, the, the anointing's one thing, but the fruit displays how much maturity we have in our life. How much long-suffering do you have? How much peace do you have? Come on, y'all. H- how, much, how much joy do you have? If you are always walking with sadness, you need a touch from God. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. This is what we long for, to be a people that walk with a bountiful harvest of fruit in our lives on full display around outside the walls of the church. So the fruit is a sign of maturity. Just Are you with me? Which is where we always want to get. Now listen to this. Envy is the natural byproduct of being favored by God. Listen to this. It's the tallest tree that gets hit by lightning. Those who stand out from among their brethren often come under attack. Let's establish this in this room. Everyone in this room is loved by God. Everyone in this room is favored by God at a different level. As T.D. Jakes would say, a favor ain't fair. You with me? 
Favor ain't fair. And everybody said, well, favor looks amazing. Well, let me tell you about the story of a young handmaiden that was highly favored of the Lord named Mary, who was known all the days of her life of having an illegitimate child called Jesus. Come on. That's why when the Pharisees come, said, we know who our father is, Jesus, but you don't know who your father is. Come on, y'all. He was known as a bastard. Don't get nervous. I'm just talking King James, Hebrews chapter 12, for the Bible thumpers in the room on Wednesday night. Hello. Come on, y'all. Hear me? That's what he was known by. Are you with me? All right. So envy, anytime God shows up with favor, let me say this. Every time a movement of God comes, there will be favor released in that movement. There will be pillars and people inside the church that is called to run with extraordinary favor over a movement. Stanton has extraordinary favor over his life. Therefore, I've, this, is why, this is why I pour my life into him so much because I, want him, I, I try to teach him everything that I've been able to gain and learn in 20 years, and I try to cram it down him every time that I have a moment with him by myself. That, that favor, when you are favored by the Lord, it is the tallest tree that gets struck by lightning. Are you with me now? So you're always going to come under attack by other people that are insecure in their place in the Lord. It doesn't mean, listen, it doesn't mean that he's greater than the next person. I'm just using him by example. It doesn't mean that he's greater than anybody. It just means that there's favor on his life in an extraordinary way to accomplish the assignment that God gave him. The reason why he is favor is not because he's the chosen one. It comes with the assignment on his life because God qualifies, come on y'all, those whom he chooses. Many are called, but few are chosen. The faster we realize this, the better off we're going to be. All right. Sociologists have coined the term limited good to describe a commonly held idea that there is only so much honor and prosperity and success available to the citizens of a society at any given time. So for one citizen to increase in success, he must of necessity take from the success of others in that society. Envy, they say, is thus the natural response of citizens in a society who look upon the success of someone and realize that that success has come to the person, to that person at their own expense and loss. Listen to this. This idea cannot be found inside the kingdom of God. This is the result of a poverty mentality. Come on, y'all. That's why, folks, listen, I'm not against buffets. I'm just trying to teach. How many's ever read Dr. Ruby Payne, uh, Framework of Poverty? That's held as the highest standard in the education world, and that book is about like having sandpaper run over your forehead. You know what I'm saying? It's just that difficult to read, and I'm a reader. But understanding the framework of poverty, that's why people with a poverty mindset go to a buffet, because they're afraid the meal's going to run out. Come on, y'all. You will never see wealthy folk at the buffet. Wealthy folk like presentation. I've been to a few places to eat dinner like that, left starving deaf, you know what I'm saying, broke and starving. But it all looked good on the plate. Three shrimp and steak that big, you know what I'm saying? Do you need a knife? No, ma'am, I'll just stab this with the fork. Had to go buy McDonald's when we leave. But listen, it is a lie. Let's establish this. It is a lie because my life is favored in this environment. It did not take away favor from no one else. God has an unlimited supply of his grace, his mercy, and his favor.
And if Cleve gets favored, listen to me, my response is not to envy him. My response is to celebrate what God is doing in his life because if he got it, listen here, God got close to the family. Come on, somebody. And it's a matter of time if I stand still and obey God, it'll come on my life. This is how we learn how to celebrate the success of our brothers and sisters. All right. So we got it. We got God's got enough resources. Look at your neighbor and say, God's got plenty. He ain't broke tonight, and his children are lavishly and extravagantly, extravagantly have plenty. Because Jamie gets blessed, it did not take nothing from you. We're in the kingdom of God. We're not in a broke society. Are you with me now? Now let's go to James chapter 3. Good Lord, I'll tell you. I feel like a Episcopal preacher sitting up here tonight. I like it, though. Calm down. <laughs> hey, Lord. James chapter 3, verse 14. Let's, let's start in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have... Bitter envy. I'm reading out of New King James. If you have bitter envy. Notice he didn't just say envy. If you have bitter envy. Let me tell you where all, where all envy begins. It begins with a thought. A lot of times it begins with an offense. Hello. Notice he said bitter envy. Envy is a bitterness. Hebrews chapter 12 said, lest a bitter root get inside of you. Is that not what it says, Kath? A bitter root. And Let's a bitter root get inside you and defile many. Anybody with bitterness is like a rotten apple sitting in a bunch of a bunch of good apples. It won't take long for that to get on the whole lump up in there. If you don't take that apple that's rotten out, it's going to ruin the whole bunch. It's the same way with a church member that will not deal with the offense in the heart. We never operate by what the Bible says. The Bible says when you're offended, it says in Matthew 18, you call that person. Don't call your five-member hotline to get people on your side. When you do that, you are not in the kingdom of God. You are in the demonic realm. Hello, don't shout me down tonight. Come on, y'all. We've got to grow up to a place that when Steve does something to me that I'm man enough... Ain't got no kids in here, and I have enough hanging below my belt. Come on, don't make me get no plainer than that, that I can call him and say, Steve, this is the way you made me feel. Now, let's work on communication here. If I tell Steve you did that, I automatically put him on the defensive. But if I communicate clearly to him that when, when this happened, this is the way you made me feel, then he's not on the defensive. Then we can set up a role of communication. Are you with me now? So Matthew 18 says, no, 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 let's a bitter root get in there. Let's a bitter, bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. I'm sorry for making that comment about blow the belt, okay? Do not boast and lie against the truth. I'm learning. I'm, try, I'm learning, okay? Um, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above. Notice that he says, he's fitting to give us a threefold chord where this is coming from. But it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Now look at this. For where envy and self-seeking, this is self-ambition. Self-ambition means you want for your life what God has not desired for your life. You, you, everybody in the room knows you're not called to preach, but yet you still want to preach. I mean, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help us out here. 
If you want to call to preach and you can't make it past five minutes, come on, somebody, you're probably not called to preach. Everybody's not called to stand up and hold the mic. But it doesn't mean you less than the one holding the mic. If we really believed in identity, we would read 1 Corinthians 12 and we would read 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul said that the, the parts of the body that are not seen are more honorable than that is seen. Listen, a lot of times I am reaping the fruits of the prayer warriors in this house that lay on their face that nobody sees. Nobody sees the iron walker at 5 a.m. in the morning crying out to God, God, please anoint that man. Give him wisdom. Give him revelation. God, give our church breakthrough. And we step in here in that breakthrough. But those are the people we never see. And Paul said those are the parts that are more honorable of the body. Listen here, it doesn't matter if, if, my, if my big toe gets cut off tonight, my body's crippled. It takes a little bit to hold all this up. Are you with me? So James says where envy and self-seeking exist, look what he says, confusion. Confusion and every evil thing are there. That means he said every evil thing is present when that is there. Now let's look at this. All right, James connects envy with self-seeking. Envy and self-seeking shadow each other. Envy's energies are generated from a self-seeking heart of personal ambition. I'm going to write a post about this because this is what I'm amazed about. The best coaches have never played a game in their life. The best pastors have never pastored a day in their life. The best teachers never taught a day in their life. The best mechanic has never worked on a vehicle. You see what I'm getting at here. This is self-seeking. He goes on. He he goes on to say. He he goes on to say that envy will boast. It'll lie against the truth, because envy is rooted in pride. It is easily led to boasting about oneself. The source of envy and boasting, James tells us, is not from above, rather ascribes a threefold source of this kind of envy. It is rooted in the natural realm. It is sensual, look at this, based on data received from the five senses rather than from the Spirit of God. It is demonic, inflamed by demonic activity. Now let's look at this. I got this side note right here I want to go to. Go to the book of Isaiah chapter 11. I want to show you something remarkable right here. Isaiah chapter 11. Y'all okay? Isaiah chapter 11. Let's start in verse 1 so we get the full deal of this. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord, this is speaking of Jesus. This is where we get the seven spirits of God. Come on, y'all. Got time to break this out, but Jesus didn't move in the gift of prophecy. He was prophecy. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Look at this. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. Church counsel always precedes might. Everywhere it is listed. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. The counsel of God releases the might of God. All right. The spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. 
nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Most of us judge in the church by what? What we've seen and heard. And most of the judgment comes from secondhand information. I don't know about y'all. I'm just teaching tonight, but I learned this in little school. When we was in little school, we had a, we had a line. We started out the line, and this is what we said. Johnny's overweight. Come on, just eat anything. Johnny ate a cheeseburger. By the end of the line, it was so far off the original statement, it wasn't even close. We judge by the seeing of the eye and the hearing of the ear. Jesus never judged by the seeing of his eyes or the hearing of his ears. Where did he get his information from? The Spirit of God. All right. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing is there. Just as self-seeking shadows envy, so does strife. Strife is a contention between people, a struggle for superiority. Strife is often motivated by envy. Now let's look at Philippians chapter 1. We're about to get in some good stuff. Just hang on. I plan to preach here in just a minute. Let's go to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Where is the book of Philippians? I think it's the Old Testament. Right here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 15, says this. Let's look at verse 12. I can't just jump in the middle of this text. But I want, to, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all, and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. Look at Paul. He's in a Philippian jail cell here writing. You with me? He's winning this whole place. And most, of, and, and, and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. Look at this. Some preach Christ from envy and strife, some also from goodwill. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add to my affliction and to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Now, like James, Paul links envy with self-ambition. Selfish ambition is just one word in the original text. Listen to this. This Greek word, erethia, is a word that is used to describe a hireling. Someone working for pay. Someone who is concerned only with his own welfare. A person who is susceptible to being bribed. Erethea pictures an ambitious, self-willed person seeking opportunities for promotion. The opposite motivation for preaching the gospel was out of love. Here's what you must trust. I want to go back to this, and I want to deal with this right here, this subject right here. I am 18 years old. I'm called to preach the gospel. By the time I'm 20, I'm fully an itinerant preacher. I'm preaching all over the place. I've done made it to Jacksonville. 
I didn't know how to drive there, so I had to get someone to drive me because you grow up in a little old town, small lot, Bacon County. We didn't have nothing but a traffic light when I grew up. I ain't, never, you know, I ain't even seen the interstate. Come on, y'all. I'm just telling you the truth about my life. And uh, when I met Catherine, that was the second time I'd ever seen the ocean. I've come a long ways. <laughs> I got a long way to go, but I ain't where I started, praise God. So I'm preaching in Jacksonville, fully itinerary. At, at this time, I've met, I've met uh, Steve. I've met this house. I've met Pastor Dale. And in the time I'm, 20, I'm 22, I'm ordained up under a network called CFM. CFM at this point has probably 70 to 80 preachers meeting uh, once a month in Douglas, Georgia. Donna, you'll remember all of this. And so at this time, there was a young man that grew up with me. He went to high school with me. He accepted the call to preach three years after I did. I was teaching him. I, I wanted to be Rod Parsley at the time. He wanted to be Jensen Franklin. So I had my hair. That was when I had hair. I had dark hair. Had it gelled up, flared up in the front like Parsley had in the 90s. If you watch Parsley in the 90s, that's the way he did. He had it gelled up. Had, that, had the breakthrough lapel pin, the breakthrough Bible. I was a covenant partner the whole nine yards. Went to his crusades. He was my hero in the faith. That's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be able to preach like him one day. So in this, I, I'm, so I'm gathered around all my brethren here. And so this young guy that we've got, we've got in 1999, we got Jensen Franklin used to do a top 10 every year from Kingdom, from Free Chapel. It was the top 10. We had the top 10 cassettes. I can still tell you what most of those messages was. He had one called Drop the Rock on there. He, he just had, it was just a lot of stuff. We gleaned the fire. We burnt those tapes up nearly by it. Listen to them. We could preach those messages by good as Jensen had. We listened to them so much. And so this young man is in there. And so, so he's sitting in a church one night. He's sitting in our church. There became a, 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 a church that was available that was about two hours from where we were from. This young man was put in this church, and within it seemed like overnight, nothing ever happens overnight, you know what I'm saying? But it seemed like overnight to me that, I mean, he just became an overnight success. So we would have to go to the meetings. And every month, the first 20 minutes of the meetings, this guy was brought up to the front. He was told how awesome he was. My God, I mean, people's overflowing this church. I mean, they parking in the flower beds. I mean, God's on the move. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. The more I heard it, the matter I got. Hello. I'm thinking, you know what? I wish we'd get to something spiritual because I'm about sick and tired of hearing these stories every time. Uh, y'all don't know no language like that, huh? I tell you what, I, he, don't, he don't know the real joke. I know the real man, the real man calling me for revelation. They ain't heard me preach. Let me tell you something. Every time that was going on, God was just knocking out another calendar for me. Just keep setting. So this is what you got to come to terms with, just like I came to terms with when I was 23 years old. You got to understand that God knows where you're at. You got to understand that God can see through your shingles. He knows your house address. He knows your email address. He knows your phone number. Come on, somebody. He knows you're rising up to you going down. And promotion comes from the Lord. It does not come from the east and it does not come from the west. And if man puts you there, man has to keep you there. Any door that you pry open yourself, you will have to keep yourself there. 
I'm teaching good right here, y'all. But any place that God puts you there, God will keep you there, and no man can pull you out of that hole. So I'm telling you as a man, listen to me. All of us in here wants the stairwell. You do not want the elevator. If you get the elevator, you will be unqualified to reign over your destination. But if you get the steps to your destination, God will develop in you integrity and character. These is the pro- this is the process. Are you with me? All right. So, so we had to come to terms with this. I had, I, I had got to this place one time that I've, I've really wanted to give up. I, I say the, the many give-ups more than I can count. But the two real give-ups that I'm telling really to throw in the towel, this was one of them because I was sick of everybody else getting promoted around me. Now, let's establish this. When God promotes our brother and sister, he is not going to do it in the secret place in my office. When Samuel pulls up to David's house to anoint the child to be king over Israel, God didn't tell him, now, Samuel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go up to Jesse's house and find the next king, but I want you to take him in the green room. No. I want you to have every brother outside that room, outside the road, and I want you to pour the ram's horn on. That's the way God will do it, and he, that's the way he's going to do it, and he'll continue to do that way. Because God will, promote the, God will promote the person on your job that you feel like you're more qualified for the position. Come on, I'll preach some kind. I'll get it out of the church in the, in the business world. God will promote the employee that you know don't deserve it. He's going to do it just to check your heart. And if you can't honor that person, then you will never get the job that you're trying to get. That is good right there, Pastor Bagley. Matthew 6, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches three things that we do in secret. Talk about our brother and sister. Talk about how horrible the pastor's doing. (laughs) Come on. And I wonder what he's doing with the money. Three things Jesus said that we do in secret. We pray in secret, fast in secret, and we give in secret. This is what he said, right? He said, if you are faithful with these things in secret, I will what? Reward you openly. I'm going to bless you with favor. Favor never comes in the hidden place. Favor comes openly as a result of what's going on in the hidden place. My God, that's good. Thank you, Catherine, right for helping me. David's always going to be anointed in front of his brothers. We never saw the issue of envy show up in the Bible until we had two brothers on the earth. We don't see an issue with envy with, 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 with Adam. He wasn't ever envious of Eve. Listen to me. Envy is never an issue to fathers and mothers. It is an issue with brothers and sisters and immature believers. Brothers complete, brothers compete, but fathers always complete. You never hear dad in the stand saying, my God, I can't believe that, that son of mine just hit another home run. He's one home run shy away from breaking my record. God, I hope he breaks his legs. Come on, y'all. But let the preacher show up in town that's got more guests than we do. I done flew out the chair. Let the preacher show up in town that's running more than we do and the prayer shifts from God blessing him till we start using slander in the church to try to mock him. Come on, somebody. 
This is the real deal. Take the book of Acts. Every time God showed up, the Jews got inflamed with Paul and Silas and the other members of the church. Come on. Because they were showing power that the other religious dudes could not walk in. Instead of celebrating the growth of the kingdom, they begin to mock them, bash them, and backbite and, and try to tear them down. Now, envy's always an issue of brothers. It's always an issue of brothers. Fathers complete, brothers compete. God's going to reward us openly. We establish that in this room, right? God's going to reward folks openly for what they do faithful in the secret place. That's just going to be a law of the land. It don't matter how big we grow, okay? If we at 500 or if we at 50, somebody's going to have more favor than us. My God, I got a long way to go right here if y'all, if y'all can take it. Let's go to Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation just because I brought it up here. Luke chapter 13. Mm-hmm. Y'all Okay. Let me know when you let, let me know when we can't when we get to the place we can't obtain no more. And I and I'll I'll quit. What I'm just saying is because I know you can't hold but so much information. I don't want to overload you. I done told you where I'm, I'm. I ain't got but really the first three chapters of synopsis right here of how good that book is. I'm just telling you. I just think that I'm just at a place to where I'm trying to do issues in my my own heart. All right, Luke chapter thirteen. Let's go to verse 10. One Sabbath day, one Sabbath day, while Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, he encountered a seriously handicapped woman. She was crippled and had been doubled over for 18 years. Her condition was caused by a demonic spirit of bondage that had left her unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her condition, He called her over gently, laid his hands on her. Then he said, dear woman, you are free. I release you from this crippling spirit. Instantly she stood straight and tall and overflowed with glorious praises to God. The Jewish leader who was in charge of the synagogue, here's the pastor. Now Jesus is a visiting preacher. Come on, (laughs) y'all. Here's the pastor of the synagogue was infuriated. He was infuriated over Jesus healing on the Sabbath day. Look what he said. In the King James, it says he stands up and charges the crowd. Jesus is the visiting preacher. He sees a woman sitting in the church. Been for 18 years. Crippled by a demonic spirit. Looks at her, has compassion on her. Releases her from the demonic spirit. She stands up straight praising God. This happens, the pastor jumps up. Charges the crowd. Six days men ought to work and not on the Sabbath. Jesus looks at him, and I love, we go in the language of the New King James. He says, Pastor, I'm sorry. He looks at him and says, Hypocrite. Oh, y'all ain't in the Bible. Come on, y'all. It's kind of like, come on, y'all. Hypocrite. Which one of you has an ox? that gets in the ditch on the Sabbath, don't go and loose him. Now, do you think this, this, this pastor, do you think his passion is for the Sabbath? Absolutely not. I'm just trying to help us here. Listen to me. Envy will always put the secondary issue on the main table so it can remain hidden. 
Mm. He don't even care about them kids out there on the field. Oh, man, get off me right here. Look at what he's doing. That's the secondary issue. Here was the issue of the heart that Jesus cut straight through all the. Y'all with me? I'm trying to preach this in a holiness type environment here. People get nervous. <laughs> hey, she's nervous. I ain't going to, listen, I ain't cussing, okay? I'm not that mad. Y'all calm down. He's <laughs> laughing. That preacher down at Cornerstone cussing. You heard him tonight. Listen, he cut through all the mess. He cut through it right there. He said, listen, dude, you're not upset about the Sabbath. You're trying, you're trying to make this out to the crowd that you're upset about the Sabbath. You're a hypocrite. Let's cut through the mess right here. What you upset us is I just showed and demonstrated power that you ain't never walked in. And I showed up on your home turf and did what you couldn't do for 18 years. Now, let me tell you this. There's always going to be people that look better, got bigger muscles, more anointed. You're going to have to settle that in your heart. When the greater anointing shows up, instead of envying it, if you will honor it, you can drink from the cup. Oh, my God, we got a long way to go right here. Stay with me right here. We're going to get to something good right here in a minute. Listen to this. Listen to this. Envy always is a hider. It's a hider. I've been pastoring long enough I know this. Let me cut through the fodder here. Pastor, I can tell you something. We upset. I'm upset. They several people mad. Let me interpret that for you. I'm upset, and it's just me and my family. Ain't no we to it. We're not in France. See, I'm a, I'm a shepherd, y'all. I'm trying to help us out in an environment here. Come on, y'all. If I didn't love you, I'd come in here in my collar shirt and tell you life is grand and great. I'm just trying to tell you if we're going to honor a movement, we're going to build a whole generation. These are things we're going to have to deal with. Because the little young ones over there right there is going to outrun us left and right. When we're sitting in here in a doodle bug, they're going to come in here like a Ferrari and blow us loose. Are you with me now? And the deal is, is we got to have our hearts circumcised in this environment and realize, by gosh, listen, it ain't about me no more. I've done got all the trophies I want. Come on, somebody. I done got all the accolades I ever need, and God tells me I'm boy every time I'm in the secret place, and I'm bigger than that, and I can allow someone else on the stage to get some of the gravy that falls off the table. Hello. This is the environment in which we're trying to build. And we never go build this till we grow to a place and we realize it is not about me. It's not about Pastor John. It's not about Cleve. I'm just privileged to hold this mic every week. Are you with me? And here's the real deal. The Bible says I'm going to come under stricter judgment and I'll be held for every word that I teach you. Come on, y'all. These are the issues that are killing the movement. It's killing the advancement of our community. There can be no blessing where there is no unity. My God, I about feel the Holy, I'm telling you. Listen, when we, what do I, as elders, three of them in here, when we get into financial lack in this church, I do not look at the tithing record. Because the financial lack on this building don't have nothing to do with the tithing record, whether Steve's giving his check or not. The first place I look is, my, is the men that are called to lead in this environment with us to see wherever there is disunity. Because God said, I will command the blessing on unity. Where there is unity, whatever organization you have, if you break unity, you have, you have opened the gates of hell to tear that organization down. I'm, I can show you outside. Don't even, don't even, worry, about, don't even worry about Christians. Don't even worry about Christians. 
the whole Tower of Babel is a man-made effort to get to God. And God had to confuse their language because they were working together. Don't tell me the power of unity. The power of unity was any two of you touch and agree on one thing. If you can get somebody to unify on that. Come on, somebody. That thing shall be established. There's a power in unity. Envy comes to disunify us because the end. Listen to this. As long as our crosshairs are on each other in this building, we lose. Meanwhile, the enemy laughs, laughs at our foolish fodder amongst each other. All right, I'm going to calm down. Let me get back. I'm trying to get a job at the Baptist Church. I got to calm down. I'm going to quit, man. I've been in all of them. I got friends in all of them, okay? Man, people, it's always a hider. Look at your neighbor and say, envy is always a hider. It clothes itself and cloaks itself. It, clo- it, it, it clothes itself and cloaks of, of noble passion. I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about this now, Pastor. I'm passionate. Envy never wants to be discovered, so it generates a noble zeal that deflects all eyes onto the secondary issue. It deflects all the attention on, it's the Sabbath. We could, oh, it's, he's healing on the Sabbath. Nobody cared. The woman, listen, somebody dying of cancer don't care if it's Wednesday or Tuesday. They just need a miracle. All right. Let's go to Numbers chapter 11. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the clock right there. I got to 8.30. You can't go get your kids to 8.30. So if I give you more than you can bear, just step out back there. You know what I'm saying? Where's the book of Numbers at? Somebody help me. All right, I got it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's helping me tonight. Numbers. Chapter 11. Look at verse 24. Let me see if I can set this up. So Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord, and he gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tabernacle. Look at this. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took of the, and took of the spirit that was upon him and placed the same upon the 70 elders. And it happened when the spirit rested upon them that they prophesied, although they never did so again. But two men had remained in camp. The name of the one was Eldad, the name of the other Medad. And the spirit rested on them. And they were among those listed, but who had not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. So Joshua, the son of Moses, the Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, one of his choice men, answered and said, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Shut them up. Then Moses said, I love this. Are you zealous for my sake? Joshua, do you love me that much that you want me to shut them up? Let's cut through the fodder. You're not jealous. You don't love me that much, Joshua. You're upset because I set forth a meeting. And I told 70 men to be in that meeting, and 68 men showed up. Two of them stayed at the house. And what your real issue is, as the two that stayed at the house that didn't give attention to the meeting, they got the same thing as those that was in the meeting. 
You see how envy puts the passion on the secondary issue. Moses, I love you so much. Are you zealous for me? Look what he said. Now he's answering in the heart of a father. He answers back to his young son in the Lord as a father. I wish that all God's people were prophets. I wish not only these 70, I wish it would come on the whole tribe. Now, let's finish up with this in the time we got left. Jesus dedicates two parables in Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 25. 20 is a parable of the, of the laborers. In the story, they go out and hire workers at daylight. He sets forth the standard. I'm going to give you a denario for a day's work. They're busting it, working. A few hours later, they go out and get some more workers. A few hours later, go get some more workers. About an hour before knockoff time, he goes out and gets one more group of laborers, brings them in. Then they hear the bell ring, 5 o'clock. We made it. He's divvying up the salaries. Calls the first group in. There's your pay for the day. There's your denario. Second group, denario. Now, you're probably thinking, hey, at this point, mm, I don't like that right there. Now, the second group, they show up by 10 o'clock. <laughs> now, let me tell you, by the end of the payday, when them ones that come in at 4 o'clock and knocked off at 5, he hit the fan. <laughs> Come on. This is what happened. He's the dumbest leader I've ever seen. Can you? I just want you to pray about something with me. I got to get it in the Christian way we do it. I just want you to pray about something with me. Can you believe? Can you believe that at the end of the day, they got the same thing we did? I just want you to pray about it. Oh, God, help us. What was the issue? Let me break that parable down to you. They, some of us have fought hell for 20 years to get where we're at. But you have, if you see yourself as a homesteader, a pioneer, we got big in that. And I, I mean, I believe I'm called to be a I cried many a time over Rick Pino's song, Pioneer. I cried over the night going on for turning on. That means, let, let's look at John. John is preparing the way, first cousin of Jesus, preparing the way for him. You with me? The Bible says his disciples leave him and join up with Jesus. So they come on to John, are you not worried? Your disciples, we noticed that your disciples are leaving you left and right, man. What are you preaching? They, they, they joined up with Jesus. He's doing the real thing now. John looks at them in the eyes and kills his own heart and said, I must decrease, but he must increase. Our heart has got to get to the place in this community that we are about the kingdom of God, not about Cornerstone. Not about the church of God, not about the Baptist. We're about the kingdom. And when people get saved at the assembly, the kingdom just increased up in this town. When people get saved at the church of God, the kingdom just increased in this town. Come on, y'all. 
We talking about big boy stuff tonight on Wednesday night. We eating broccoli down here. Come on, y'all. And cauliflower. Bring nutrients to the body. We ain't down here giving out Sundays with sprinkles on them. Give you the sugar high and you don't fail collapse by the time you get home. Now, here's the other part. Here's the other, here's the other thing that Jesus dealt with. Matthew 25, got 12 minutes left. He deals with the subject of the parable of the talents. I love the way Bob deals with this in his book. He calls it the talent showdown. Because this happens all the time in the body of Christ. Got one man with one talent, one man with two talents, one man with five talents. You say, I want to be the man with five talents. Good luck to you. You survive. Five talents will always be humbled beyond recognition. The five talent is Joseph. I had a dream that all my brothers are going to bow to me. Okay, Joseph, you're fitting to get sold as a slave. You'll be left in a pit. You're going to go to Potiphar's house and think you one day coming out of that. Come on, somebody. His wife's going to lie on you. You're going to go to prison. You're going to interpret a dream in prison. You're going to tell that man, remember me tomorrow when you're restored to the king. The other dude, your, there's a breadbasket on your head. You're going to die tomorrow, but you're going to be restored to the king and remember me. The scripture says in the King James, and it was two full years before he remembered Joseph. He had another 24 months down in that dungeon. Come on, y'all. It's the five-talent person like Jacob that gets the blessing that Esau's going to kill him, and Esau would have killed him. But before he runs up to Esau, what happens? He wrestles with God all night, and God puts a limp in his life for the rest of his life. So now Esau sees the man now limping, dragging one leg coming to him, and he has mercy upon him. It was Joseph that wanted to kill his brothers, but at the end of the process, when his brothers came up to Egypt to get, to get the, because of the famine, and, and Joseph had the vision of seven, when was able to interpret the dream of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. We got to store up because he's seven years of famine coming. And his brother came with that little bit of, with that little, little money. Remember that? When he was sending them home with the grain, he had the money tucked down in the bag. Jacob said, oh, my God, something's going on, boys, right here. They, they don't send the grain and the money back. Something's happening here. Joseph had been humbled at this point. What you got to understand, you don't, it's like T.D. Jakes said. Everybody loves the Bishop Jakes right there. They don't know the process where he came from in West Virginia. Most people don't know that his 13-year-old daughter became pregnant when he had a national platform. Come on, somebody. People of that type of caliber get humbled. But the five-talent showdown, the one-talent, the one-talent person loves to hang out with other one-talent people because they never challenged. When it comes to playing ball, I've never wanted my children to be the rock star on the team. I want my child to be about the seventh man on the team because I need someone with a greater ability to pull anything that's in that child up to another level. You will never learn how to defeat giants by hanging out with little people that you can beat up on. Come on, somebody. You have to go get your tail tore up a few times and learn how to develop something into you. Now, here's how we got to get in the church. The one-talent person loves the two-talent person. Let's just go with the worship team. Oh, we get us another, we get us another musician or something. They can, they can play a little bit and sing a little bit. Oh, we love them. Y'all come on. Oh, God, thank we've been praying for you. Thank God he's hearing our prayers and he's helping us. But let the Rick Pino walk in the church. He can play a ukulele, guitar, keyboard, the drums, sing, preach, prophesy, cast out devils. Pastor, I just want to pray about something. Can I get a meeting with you? I, I heard that he, he left his other church not in a good way. 
They say he caused all kinds of stuff up there. Uh, Elder Clee, can I, I just want to pray with you about something. I heard him and his wife struggling. Now, we don't need that in the church. Meanwhile, that goes throughout the whole body. Let, let me just break this down. Let me tell you this. What happened when they heard when Saul heard the song? David has slayed his ten thousand. The scripture says he began to eye David from that day forward with an evil eye. That's the evil eye. How about I get off in that? You with me? He began to eye. Let me tell you something. We do that stuff all the time. Person comes in the church. We say, well, anything's been said. Anything we heard. Because, you know, we didn't get it from the Spirit. We got it from somebody else. We'll claim it's God. I feel led to tell you this. Lead pullers kill people all the time. They still kill them. That's why you can't go in there unless you got a full suit on to deal with a house that's got lead paint in it because it'll kill you. And it's killing the... Listen, envy killed the body of Jesus when he arrived on the earth. They're still killing him today. It was religious leaders that envied him in full jealousy in their heart that put him on the cross and is still killing and crippling his body today. This is why we cannot sustain a movement. This is why we cannot move forward in true kingdom authority. This is why can't we keep burying people with cancer in the church and the whole nine yards. It's not because God is not willing to move. It is because of the issues in our heart that we are unwilling to deal with and get to the cross. What are you saying tonight? I'm telling you, before you judge your brother, why don't you get yourself in a prayer closet and say, God, help me. Caleb Capan, she I don't know if she's here tonight, but she put something on Facebook that's worthy to be thing. I just happened to pick up Catherine's phone and said, said, before you talk to someone else about it, talk to God about it. If we can handle that one if we handle that one thing right there, by the time here and Christmas comes, we'll be a massive revival come January. Hello. So the one talent person, I don't mind playing with people with one talent. It's kind of like the, kind of like the sandlot when they showed up. It's easy, Rodriguez, when you play with a fat kid. We play on real field. So we don't mind hanging out with the one talent. But let me show you the proper response. If we would do this, we would grow into maturity. The fastest way for you to grow in maturity is to get with someone who's doing what you want to do. They further down the road than you. If you're praying for a breakthrough in finances, God is not going to bring a broke person into your life. He's going to bring a wealthy person in your life. They're not going to drive a Volkswagen held together by Christian bumper stickers. They're going to probably be in some foreign vehicle. <laughs> Let a brother get successful. Is that? I, you know he's a crook. He's been stealing for people all his life. We're going to post this on everything we got. Greatest sermon ever preached in the church. I need to get this to every preacher in this town. This helps us out right here. Doctor's orders right here. Just take this. All right. The five-talent person, this is how you do that. Man, let me tell you something. If I, wanted, if I, if I had a five-talent person and I had day on the worship team, I'd just what I'd do. But if you need me to tote your books up there to that keyboard, whatever you need me to do, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. 
I'm your guy. I just want to sit down here and watch you do what you do. How you do what you do. Can you show me how you do what you do? Let me tell you this. John Paul Jackson, when he was a young man, he was gifted to be able to interpret dreams even when he was an engineer in the business world. God had blessed him to interpret dreams. Bob Jones asked him one time when they was a part of the Kansas City Prophets, and he said this. He said, John Paul, he said, how do you interpret the dreams? He said, I don't know, Bob. He said, I just do it. He said, that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. And he walked off from it. And John Paul was like, what's up with him, man? Is he crazy? I just do this. I operate in the spirit. And Bob come back and said, if you don't know how you do it, you can never train and equip someone to do what you do. You with me? So here's the thing. People get upset at me all the time talking about reading books. But I'm telling you, if you called to preach the gospel and you don't like to read, I beg to differ with you. You're not called. If you called to be a leader and you don't like to read, I would beg to differ with you tonight. All leaders are readers. How many people have come and said, this is the fifth church and you don't recognize the gift on my life? Let me establish something tonight out of love to you as a leader in the body of Christ. If, if I'm the fifth pastor that has not noticed your gift, guess what? You don't possess the gift you think you have. Because God will highlight the gifts to the leader inside the body that you operate in. So what happens is, is I have to come in an agreement with what God made. I wish God made me like Stanton where I could wear skinny jeans. Because you don't understand, in our world, in the big and tall, we limited. The polo, saddlebred, or chaps. I'm going to create a haberdashery before I leave the earth. Because you got big and tall, we need something for big and short. Somebody get a revelation. I got 15 pairs of jeans hanging in my closet and wear three pairs. And Mar Miss Mary's tried to help me cut some of them off. Legs so short, if I buy, when I buy slacks with lining, the lining is down at the ankles. That's a fact. First suit I got, we went in the store, me and a friend of mine, I'm closing right, we got to go get the kids. Went in the store and I said, hey man, I said, you do this, do this suit? He said, yeah. I said, nah. You buy a 52 jacket, comes with like some 48 pants or something. The pants is out here. Me and Kathy can get in. Lord, I better quit right. I, better, I got sidetracked right there on that now. Listen, <laughs> help me, Jesus. Stay on the task right here. Got off on that rap like, listen, <laughs> listen. So, hey, he said, we could tailor it up. We, we tailor this stuff for you, man. I said, are you sure? You, I mean, I said, man, these pants are huge. He said, we're going to tailor them up for you. This is a true story. FedEx guy come, brought the suit. Man, I was like, I can't believe this. I'm going in a suit this Sunday. I mean, we, I'm decked out. Had my shoes polished up, ready to rock and roll. We got the suit on. Had the cuff at the bottom. The pants legs was that wide at the bottom. I had the pockets in the back because, man, I'm, I'm just revealing too much up in here. I ain't got nothing in the back. The pockets literally was that wide. There was that much room in between two pockets. I said, man, why didn't I just put a, I should have just put a pouch in the back. You know what I'm saying? Just a pouch to hold the wallet. That's a true statement. Huh? That's true. I said, we ain't never get no, here, here's the thing. Well, I should have gave it away 
when we got the whole suit and the tailor for like $150. <laughs> hey, Lord. So thank God, by God's grace and mercy, got a real tailor over in Thomasville know how to handle some big people. And so, so he did, listen, we got to go right here. So he put me in some suspenders. Taylor did over there. I said, no, I ain't wearing no suspenders. He told Stanton, he said, you need to try to work with him on the suspenders now. It's going to help him. I got them suspenders on, never had to pull nothing up again. I said, let me tell you something, suspenders are the way to go. <laughs> so, listen here. What I'm telling you is this. Listen to me. We're going to have an environment, a real environment, a real environment that honors God, that honors each other. Then all of us are responsible to deal with our own issues of the heart. Be big enough to look in the mirror and say, it's me. I have never went to God since I was 18 years old on my first encounter with the Lord when I gave my heart to the Lord. I'm 40 years old, 22 years. I have never went to God and prayed about a person that he answered me about that person. He always puts it on me. When you point the finger, they three coming back at you. It's not the devil. Get in the mirror and say, God, deal with my stuff. Because your stuff, if not dealt with, will cripple this body. If we become a body of unity that honors each other, that loves each other, all of us in here need to establish this. We got weaknesses. You are not just your strengths. I know you cleaned, the, I know you cleaned your house up real good when I come eat with you. But all of us in here are just not our strengths. We are our weaknesses too. And you have to deal with your own weaknesses. You with me? That's a part of the growth and maturity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the power of your word. I thank you, Lord, for the joy that I feel in this place, the goodness that I feel in my soul in this house right now. I thank you, Lord, for the power of your word that it is a sword, and it's not necessarily a sword to take the head of the enemy off. It's a sword that I can pick the shrapnel out of my own body. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to help us deal with the issues that cripple us, that disunify us, that bring schisms in the body. And every time there's a schism in the body, the devil has the ability to get a foothold on us. So, Lord, I pray that you give us a deep love for one another. You help us deal with our stuff and grow us up in the, into, the Lord, into you. Father, I, I say this, I, I want maturity in my life. I want, to be, I want to be the man that you say I am, and I want the process in my life to develop me into that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Sunday morning. We hope you enjoyed our message of the week. Thanks for joining us. Our passion at Cornerstone is our family atmosphere built on deep relationships. We want to connect with you. Please take a moment and download our app and connect with us on social media to stay updated with all things Cornerstone. We pray you have a wonderful week.